Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And what I wanted to do in this cast, Father, was to continue the conversation from the last one, which was getting back to the basics of the faith as what it means in this period of getting prepared for Christmas anyway, kind of we're all doing this as a church community, just to emphasize on the basics and what we should do. Uh, last time we covered kind of the thought process behind it, the deep faith, and I was looking to see in this one if we can handle more of the action type stuff, such as why do we do the sign of the cross? What is the point of it? Um, how are you supposed to do it? You know, stuff like that, you know, the process inside of a church, you know, those types of very fundamental basic things that it's always good to refresh and get on top of stuff. So with that being said, if you can guide us into the direction that makes the most sense and give us the answers that we need. Yeah, well, uh, interestingly, I don't know if you're aware of it, Joe, but uh, Pope Francis is, is doing that for us as well. He's taking us on a series of teachings about the Mass, and he's in the first one, he started with the sign of the cross. And so uh, our, our listeners might want to look those up. His Wednesday audiences, if you go on the Vatican website and then look for audience, and you'll find uh, Pope Francis's Wednesday audiences, which are teaching on the Mass. And he's really doing the same thing, building us up from the basics, and reminding us about what we do. And I want to build off of what we talked about the last time, Joe. You asked me, what are the fundamentals in the Christian life? And I said, Jesus. Jesus is the fundamental. He's the foundation of our Christian life. Without Jesus, there's no Christianity. He is the incarnation. He is the manifestation. He is God in our midst. God who comes to be with us and to share our life with us. And so we answer all of those questions starting from Jesus. What, what about the sign of the cross? Well, if we love Jesus, if we know him, if he's a friend, if, he, if we have a personal relationship with him, the sign of the cross is about Jesus because he's the one that mounted the cross for us. He's the one who was crucified out of love for us because he loved us so much. He gave up his life in order to set us free from those things that keep us from having an abundance of life, free from sin, free from fear, free from anxiety, free from hatred, free from unforgiveness, free from lust and from greed, free from envy, free from strife and division and holding grudges and all those things that eat away on the inside of us. Mm -hmm. He set us, he wanted to do he wanted to set us free from all of that, and so he took all of that on himself and was crucified. Uh, so the cross reminds us of the freedom that God gives us through the superabundance of his love. His love is stronger than all of that. Love is stronger than death, and the love of Jesus is stronger and sets us free even from the death that confronts all of us in our mortal lives so when we make the cross and when we trace it on ourselves that reminds us of it and at the same time it it commits us to it 
not only did he do that for us, but we write it on ourselves. We make that sign of the cross from our forehead to our our our, our breasts, from our the left shoulder to the right shoulder, and we write that cross on ourselves and we basically say, I'm your disciple and I'm going to do what you did. You were free enough and loved me enough to set me free through suffering and death, through crucifixion. I love you enough that I'm going to follow you and I'm going to give my life for you and for others by following that same path, whatever that means for me in my life, whether it's crucifixion like Jesus and like St. Peter who followed that example or like St. Andrew, another apostle, uh, if that's crucifixion or if that's just the sacrifices, struggles, pain, loss, trials of daily life. So when I cross that sign of the when I make that sign of the cross on myself, when I cross myself, I'm saying I'm a follower of yours and I'm going to follow you even to the end. So that's what we're saying there. And then we're doing that in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Well, we were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So it reminds us of our own foundation when we were baptized into Christ and baptized in that name. And that also tells us about the communion of love. That's Jesus is the Son, so if we love Jesus, we recognize Him as the Son, and it's His Father that we're talking about, who has also become our Father, and so we have a Father, and we recognize that in the name of the Father, that's our Father, and the Father of Jesus. No matter how terrible our Father has been on earth, or even how loving, we have an infinitely great Father in heaven, who is close to us and who loves us and who's been revealed to us by Jesus. And then we do that in the Holy Spirit, who is the power to make all of that possible. These aren't just ideas, but there is a life force, a living power. There is a, a divine movement of grace. There is a movement of love that courses through our veins and who moves us from the inside. That's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Father and of the Son. So there's a lot in that little gesture now, we're not going to think about that every time that we make the sign of the cross, but we could think about a little of it. We could think about it being really significant, not just like swatting flies, as one of my priest friends like to say. When I see people coming into church, they, they kind of make this half genuflection and then they swat flies as they wave their hand around their head and mumble something that they don't even know what they said after they said it. So we can be very intentional. The sign of the cross is a beautiful prayer. And we can make it a more intentional prayer as we begin our, our own prayers or begin the, the celebration of the Mass. Yeah, it as you just went through that, it definitely seems to be something that is taken for granted in in a lot of people. I mean, because you can see that. You, you absolutely can see people just speeding through it and not really ever thinking about it, even the words of it. And... That was just a lot, you know, thinking about how much you take things for granted that just from one simple thing as the sign of the cross, you know, it should be, there's just a lot there to unpack. Sorry about that. So, so that, that just makes me think of, you know, you, you can very easily fall in this trap of, of taking the faith for granted, of taking the fact that Jesus is always going to love you no matter what. And I guess that's, an unintentional byproduct of it is 
if you know someone's always going to be there to take care of you there is or there can be an inclination since it's always going to be there to take it for granted just as there is with any other thing in life you know if you come down every single day and there's always milk in the fridge you don't know how it gets there you don't put it there but it's always there you're just going to expect it to be there when you come down tomorrow for your cereal and I think that that's something that is human nature in a sense and just to hear you put that perspective and the importance of something as simple as the sign of the cross really really makes me glad that I chose the topic of doing the fundamentals today here for one but two just kind of really gets to the point that there's so much more you can be doing no matter how well you are doing it now so I don't know if any of that made sense but that was the feeling I got from from your explanation right there yeah well you're being honest Joe you're you've been a Catholic your whole life and there are things you've done like the sign of the cross probably from before you can even remember Mm -hmm. and you never really thought about it too much now that doesn't mean that it was meaningless or useless every time you did it but the fact that we can go a lot deeper with all of these things is a point that should strike all of us I mean that goes for me too I don't know that I've ever thought as deeply about the sign of the cross as when I just explained it to you (laughs) so but that's uh, that's all captured in that one and that point is actually meaningful too Joe that as I said I don't know that I've ever thought as deeply or put all those things together about the sign of the cross before and that's another way that we end up evangelizing ourselves as well as others is by inviting someone. When we invite someone to Mass and we encourage them by saying, there's a lot of stuff going on here and please ask me questions. Maybe not during the Mass, try to take some mental notes, but sometimes even during the Mass if it's something quick. But try to ask me questions because, uh, you know, then that gives me a chance to, to help you understand what's going on. And we'll find that in the process of answering questions, maybe we thought, I'm not that knowledgeable, you know, I'm not like Father Boniface, I didn't go to seminary for six years, and I don't have all this information. Well, when you start talking about something, when you start answering someone's question, it's amazing what comes up, because it's not just you, the Holy Spirit also works in that. And if we're willing to take a step out, if we're willing to take a risk and try to talk about our faith with somebody, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit can really come to our aid. It is, and I think of an example just last weekend, um, going out, uh, I went to the Saturday Mass opposed to the Sunday, just the way my schedule happened to work out, and last Saturday there was just upset city in the world of college football, and I'm in a couple of group texts where guys are sitting around watching the game, and we were going to meet out at a bar and watch the later games. And I turn it off because I go to church. And, you know, when I turn it on, the thing buzzed for a solid two minutes straight with just every single text message these guys were having about the chaos that was happening in college football. And I told him, and he was like, well, why was your phone off? And I was like, because I was at church. And that might go back to last week's cast about how sometimes it can be a little bit of a barrier you know, these guys know I do this podcast, and even then, you can still get 
a little bit of uh, of the barrier and that was just a thought that came to mind as far as yeah no that's exactly right when we live our faith it it's going to run into our relationships if we start putting jesus in the center that's going to start making an impact on the people that we're with and it's going to raise those questions and give us a chance to witness like that yes yes indeed um so one the one of the next things I wanted to ask about was as far as getting to the fundamentals as far as the actions of being inside the church was what is the point of genuflecting and you see a whole bunch of people who do not go all the way down which innately has always irked me because it feels like you should be physically capable of doing that regardless of your physical condition. I mean, maybe once you hit like 80, that's a different discussion. You're going to surgically repair a knee or something. But you know, if you're a regular person in your 40s or 50s or younger, I don't really see any barrier there. And there's a lot of people who just kind of go down a little bit, say it was enough, and just go sit in their pew. And I wanted to take a second or two to go about what is the importance of genuflecting and why we do it. Yeah, well, I, I uh, share your, your being irked by uh, that gesture. But as I said before, I try not to uh, hold it against somebody because I presume for a lot of people it's just a lack of uh, thoughtfulness, a lack of intentionality, and sometimes a, a sign that there isn't a very deep relationship they don't really know what they're doing, and they aren't interested in making a more lavish gesture of homage to our God. So genuflection is, uh, I, I believe, comes from an older time. I mean, the, but the basic human impulse is I'm placing myself lower than you, and I'm making myself vulnerable to you, you know, if you imagine doing that before an enemy who has a, a gun or a sword or something like that, mm -hmm. if I go down on one knee in front of that person, they can clobber me, decapitate me, right? There's, there's a vulnerability that's there. I'm giving them power over me. And that, that says at the same time, I trust you and I honor your greatness. Hmm. So just that gesture already communicates something. And so that was used also in uh, older times, you know, before kings and princes, knights knelt down to be knighted by the king. And there are those gestures of chivalry that we have in our history. And those are especially there in, in the West, in the Byzantine church and the Eastern rites. You don't have genuflection. They just never had that as part of their culture. It didn't have the same meaning, so it just didn't develop in the same way. They have a profound bow. We, we know bowing more now from the uh, Oriental nations and cultures that bowing deeply, the one who is inferior bows more deeply than the one who is superior. And that's, again, a recognition of greatness and it's also an expression of vulnerability if i bow before someone again they could just take my head off you know there's a a defenseless posture so we make ourselves defenseless before one that we trust and one that we honor as being great and so 
the amazing thing is that we do this in Catholicism in front of what appears to be a piece of bread we genuflect before the Eucharist, specifically before the Eucharist and only before the Eucharist in our Catholic faith. We genuflect before Jesus Christ, who has given himself to us under the appearance of bread in the Blessed Sacrament. We believe that the bread has been totally transformed in its substance to Jesus Christ, but it still looks like, tastes like, feels like, it has all of the qualities, the characteristics of bread, but the substance is Jesus. So we recognize that in a concrete way by genuflection. We give honor, ultimate honor, the honor of worship to what appears to be a piece of bread. So it's an amazing gesture. And that's why we should do it meaningfully. And we do it before the tabernacle. A lot of people have the practice of doing it before they enter the pew, which is a fine thing to do. Really, we should do it at some point after we enter the church, but we do it to the tabernacle because that's where the Eucharist is. So if the tabernacle is off to the side, we don't genuflect straight in front of us. We, we face the tabernacle and we make a gesture of homage, a gesture of obedience and trust and honor to the one who is present there, to our Lord Jesus Christ who is living. And in this way, we show in our bodies to everyone around us, anybody who can see us, that we point out to them that there is someone in that tabernacle that is worth giving this ultimate honor to. And that should raise questions. That's missionary. That's evangelical to proclaim this message simply by this gesture of genuflection. From that, two thoughts kind of arose. The first one being we're showing that we're more vulnerable than God. And my first reaction was, well, obviously. You know, God can do anything he wants. You know, If he doesn't want you here, he can take you out instantly. And that was just the, the first thought there. And something that, that you know, just hit me there, as you were saying, that God has all the power anyway. You know, us, by us not recognizing that does, doesn't mean he doesn't lose any power. He has everything. So that was my first thought to there. And the second was, as you were describing about how the Eucharist to us still has the shape of bread, the color of bread, the taste of bread. And I don't know why I never really thought of it like this. Maybe because every time the Eucharist has ever been taught to me, it's always emphasized about how the divinity of God is in there. But the fact that it has all of those worldly characteristics and they don't change just kind of hit me as, well, that's because Jesus was fully human, too. The human mortal part of humanity doesn't change with him having the full divinity as well. Yeah, Joe, uh, I actually want to correct one thing that you said. You made an a logical conclusion that God has all the power and we are vulnerable. But the amazing thing is that God does not have the power. That is to say, he gave it up. He gave up the power to force us to honor him, hmm. to force us to open our hearts to him. We have the right, we have the free will to close ourselves off from him, 
and to separate ourselves from him. And he has given up the power. By giving us free will, he handed over the keys to us. He handed over the power to us, and he won't take it back. So when we genuflect before him, it is a great blessing. We actually have a gift to give him, something that he doesn't already have. He doesn't have your love until you give it to him. He can't make that for himself. Again, that's not a fundamental limitation of being God, but it's the choice that he made when he created us with free will. And so uh, he has really given us a power that he has taken away from himself. And the second thing is, in terms of the Eucharist, um, yeah, when, when Jesus was human, he was fully human. So if you tested him, touched him, took his DNA, measured his blood type, uh, did any of that, it was only human. There was no way that you could look at that human being and say, that human being is God. I can prove it to you. Mm-hmm. No, you couldn't do that. He was, by all appearances, totally human. And now he wasn't just the appearance of humanity. He also was the substance of humanity. So it's not exactly the same as the Eucharist, but there is a similarity there. There's no way we can test the Eucharist and say, oh, yes, this is a consecrated host, which is actually God. And this is not. (laughs) It is exactly the same to all of our scientific tests. And so that is uh, similar to Jesus's humanity being the same as all the rest of our humanity. And that makes a lot of sense with a lot of points there that, as you mentioned earlier in the cast, when you sit and talk about them, you'll be amazed about what thoughts and reactions come to you throughout the process. And something of having done this cast over the last year or so really does have a real impact and something that I'd highly recommend that everyone out there try talking about it with someone else whether it be your wife or whomever just something to try and on that note we ask that you help us by giving us the retweets whenever we let people know the upcoming videos are happening on uh, we tweet that out on Mondays normally and please continue to give us the reviews that's how Apple and the other podcast uh, distributors grow us so we thank you guys for, for being listeners and Hopefully this has been a benefit for all of you. We look forward to talking to you next week.